0: Hi there, folks, and welcome or welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Zim Nakajimam again. Great to have you with us today. Temperatures here in Japan are rising rapidly. It really feels like summer um, is upon us, um, which would have been great if we only uh, could get out more. Fortunately, COVID 19 numbers are also on the rise again in Japan mainly in tokyo but also in osaka and some other places and to be honest while i respect the fact that both the local and national governments here um, are concerned about infection rates among those who work at uh, bars and clubs and customers who frequent these places as well and they have been asking uh, these people to watch out and asking business owners to be aware of safe office practices um, but for me personally, the fact that none of these local prefectural governors, mayors, and of course, Prime Minister Abe himself, the fact that none of them is saying a single word about the throngs of people jamming into trains every morning and evening here is just ridiculous, in my opinion. Uh, not to say hypocritical, there seems to be a big, fat, white elephant in the room as far as the economy goes, uh, which everyone seems to be ignoring. And while a good few Japanese companies have stepped up and enabled remote working for as many of their employees as possible, it's still nowhere near enough. And I personally believe that even for companies which have not implemented these policies, there are other solutions that can help make commute at least a bit safer. Um, For instance, shortening working dates, letting half the staff come in two or three hours later than usual while the earlier shift goes home two or three hours later and you know that would all cut down on rush hour human congestions sure it'll hurt the bottom line but the cost of these companies and the economy as a whole should half the staff become infected would be far far higher so yeah again sorry rant over pure insanity anyway and it looks like we may be well on our way to a second wave and if the first one ever ended that's another question tokyo's finally stepped up their testing regime A bit. I think they're doing about 4,000 tests a day now and aiming to raise the number to 6,000 if possible. Uh, And even with those numbers, they're getting about 200-300 new cases daily, which is mind-boggling if you think about the percentage of those who are tested that actually turn up to have the virus. Well, okay, yeah, definitely. Rant over. Let's get into uh, today's topic, which is, not surprisingly, um, COVID-19 again. And this time we're going to talk about the downside of the current state of affairs. So we've done a couple of episodes on this topic over the last couple of months, and the guests that we've interviewed here have also shared their own thoughts on the subject. Generally speaking, the picture from an investment perspective, at least, is pretty rosy, right? So we're definitely in a buyer's market at the moment. People who have been sitting on their assets, hoping for further price hikes, are suddenly in fire sale mode. Uh, Hospitality properties, which have had their bookings canceled for the time being, are also distressed and looking to sell. And we generally see slight to medium price drops all around the country with the biggest drops or at least um, the softest pricing meaning even if the price is not officially discounted uh, it's very negotiable we see uh, mainly in tokyo osaka and nagoya and buyers including ourselves and our clients have also been having a great time letting some really attractive deals as a result On our last episode, uh, and also in one just over a month ago, which was named Corona Bounty, we've covered some deal samples as well, which demonstrate what we mean. And we'll link to those two episodes again in the show notes. But for today, I'd like to talk a bit about the downside, uh, which is not huge, but still something to be aware of. And now that we're a good few months into the situation, we're starting to see some of the less attractive uh, side effects and aspects, which are worth taking into consideration as well, of course. So first and foremost uh, is, of course, the other side of the distress sale coin. So if you actually own a hospitality property, uh, something like a guest house, a yokan, traditional Japanese uh, inn type place, and particularly if it's a business that caters primarily to international tourists, you're obviously not doing well at the moment. So domestic tourism has also been significantly affected. And while the government has announced some domestic tourism initiative like the GoTo campaign and discounted bullet train tickets, uh, all of which are supposed to be incentives for people to get out there and travel around Japan and take holidays and hopefully help buoy the economy, uh, at least to some degree, there haven't been that many takers. And in fact, local governors and mayors are actually asking the national government to scale back or completely cancel these initiatives as well, because... Well, duh, because the idea is not to spread the virus. And I personally agree. I think these initiatives are completely out of place, um, or at the very least, far too early to announce. But bottom line, if you own a hospitality property, you are, of course, suffering now. And the way out of this situation greatly depends on where and what type of property it is that you own exactly. And also, of course, on whether it's been purchased in cash or via financing. So if you own a property in the city or even in a small town somewhere where there are actually normal long-term tenants to be found, your best bet at the moment is probably to simply convert it to standard long-term leasing, if at all possible. So yes, it'll reduce your long term yield prospects, but since hospitality properties are basically operating at a loss right now, any yield is better than losing money. And if and when things pick up again, you'll hopefully be able to repurpose it again uh, when the long-term lease is due to expire and then kick off your hospitality business again. But at the moment, it's really not a good idea to just sit and wait for things to improve because whether they will or not and how soon that's going to happen is anyone's guess. Now, other types of short-term leases, uh, such as monthly rentals, which many people have happily gotten into over the last few years, including quite a few of our own clients, uh, they are doing a little bit better, but not much better. So monthly lease tenants are usually Japanese. So the current uh, blanket ban on foreigner entry into Japan doesn't affect this market quite as bad. But the Japanese themselves are not really moving around as much as they usually do for obvious reasons. And certainly those monthly lease properties, uh, which have a seasonal or holiday aspect to them, are mostly standing empty. So beach properties, onsen properties, uh, of course, ski properties, which in any case are mostly empty during these months. These are all not going to be seeing too many guests in the near future. And in these cases as well, particularly with the condo units, which are easily convertible, switching to long-term leases is definitely the way to go for now, if at all possible. Now, if for any reason you own a hospitality or short-term stay property, which cannot be converted into long-term leasing, either because it's far out in the countryside where there aren't really too many tenants available, uh, or because the property is designed in such a way which wouldn't make it attractive for standard tenants, I'm um, thinking in type or guest house kind of property with a large lobby area, too many rooms and so forth. So it really depends on what your monthly debt situation is. If you've purchased these properties in cash and you can afford the annual maintenance costs, meaning the building fees uh, for condo units and the structural maintenance and upkeep for standalone structures, if you can afford them, you may want to try and write this one out, then reassess in a few months or a year's time and see where things stand. But if you've got loan payments to cover, it's a tougher call and it might be a good idea to see what you can get for the property if you sell it as is at the moment. It may not be much, you may sell it at a loss, but considering the unknown period of time that we might still be looking at before things go back to normal, if they go back to normal and without really knowing what exactly that normal might look like a year or two down the track, it might make more sense to simply bite the bullet and sell the property as is. And again, it is a buyer's market at the moment. So prices are almost guaranteed to be lower than you'd be happy with. But you really need to look at your longer term financial picture here. So try to assume the worst, say at least two, three years before tourists and guests are at the level that they were last year. And then see if this kind of period is something that you're feeling okay with riding out and can afford to or not. Now, another aspect of the short term state tenant shortage is felt in sublease properties. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you may recall we discussed sublease properties uh, and arrangements here in the past. And again, we'll link to these episodes as well in the show notes. So these are basically normal tenancy agreements that landlords sign with sublease companies. And these companies become the official tenant. They pay the landlord a standard monthly rent amount, which is normally a little bit lower than what a normal tenant would have paid. And they then in turn furnish the property, take care of all ongoing maintenance, and of course pay the monthly building management fee. The owner also doesn't need to pay a property manager in that case, in most cases at least. And the sublease company then goes out and leases the property either to short-term guests again, which obviously pay them a higher rent amount uh, than what they pay the landlord, or to tenants which couldn't otherwise be able uh, to rent a place uh, for various reasons because they don't have access to guarantors or guarantee companies or they're on short-term visas or they don't speak, read and write the language so they can't deal with normal property managers, etc. Now, those sublease companies as well are having a hard time at the moment because a large proportion of their tenant base is just not available for the same reason. Again, the entire monthly rental crowd is not really renting much at the moment. And we've had a few of these companies already notify us that they won't be renewing their sublease contracts. And we've had others that have asked us for some relief measures, like reducing the monthly rent that they need to pay or to have a month or a few months of rent relief um, or even to for the landlord to invest in a nice renovation just to help them attract the few tenants that are out there looking for these types of properties. And in all cases, we'd recommend to indulge them and to grant them those discounts and requests or at least part of them if you can at all afford to, because a sublease arrangement is good having even in the best of times. For most landlords, it means far less headaches on a regular basis just because they don't have to deal with the tenants directly and they don't need to hire property management companies. And because you know as a landlord that there's someone someone taking relatively good care of the property. Obviously, they have to keep it clean. They have to keep it in good condition. Otherwise, they won't be able to get new tenants for it. So particularly in these times, which can be harder to populate uh, nonetheless, you really want to hang on to these stable and reliable sublease arrangements if you can. Now, that brings us to our last point, uh, which is normal long-term tenants. So, contrary to what's been happening in other countries, in Japan, the effect of the pandemic on employment hasn't been that severe. And this is due to many reasons, but the main one is that although the old, um, unwritten lifetime employment contract that used to exist here in the past is not really the norm anymore, or at least it's far less common than it used to be, um, in Japan it is still quite unusual and far less frequent um, to lay employees off or to even reduce their salaries. So that's the upside of the change-averse culture here, right? Well, Japanese salaries are not raised nearly as frequently as they are in other countries. And while job hopping is not really a thing and it's normally frowned upon here, this also means on the upside that employers will avoid firing employees if at all possible. And so we haven't seen unemployment surge significantly since the pandemic started. And as a result, we're not seeing mass vacancies as well. People are generally still getting paid, and they're basically not being forced out of their homes for um, lack of ability to pay their bills or their rent. And they're probably not feeling any major economic duress as a result of the pandemic, or at least not nearly as much as in other countries. Uh, Unless they are themselves small business owners, of course, particularly in hospitality and retail, these people are definitely feeling the pain. But your average tenant, um, salaryman, company worker, etc., not so much. So similarly, we haven't really seen any surge in people moving out of properties that they currently occupy. If anything, we've seen a drop. So people are not really too keen on moving at the moment for obvious reasons, Uh, definitely not the elderly for whom uh, risk levels are much higher with the pandemic. And while Japan isn't uh, and hasn't really been on any kind of lockdown at any point, it's still considered generally safer to just stay put and avoid having to shop around for anything if you don't have to, new homes included. Now, the downside of that is that if you do get a vacancy at the moment and you do have a tenant move out on you, that vacancy can be a bit harder to fill. And for the exact same reason, people are not moving out as much as they used to. And we can see this in the performance of our rental listings these days, right? So we're still getting plenty of clicks on ads, meaning people are definitely looking, but not many calls, not many visits, requests for inspections, meaning people are mainly window shopping at the moment. And again, here as well, the main ways of dealing with these extended vacancies remain um, everything we've discussed here on the podcast in the past. So increased advertising efforts, offering various bonuses to tenants and other property managers, giving tenants more options uh, as far as reduced moving costs are concerned, or maybe a month or two of free rent when they move in, etc., etc. The same methods that we always use, and we'll link to these episodes uh, discussing these methods in the show notes as well except that you might now have to combine a few of these methods or offer a few extra bonuses to both the property managers advertising the properties and the potential tenants who might take it on if you want to get a tenant in there sooner rather than later, simply because uh, similarly to the uh, purchase market, the rental market is now also a buyer's market in the sense that there are not that many tenants moving around again, so demand is lower, and supply, while not exceptionally high, is still higher than demand is at the moment. Now, alternatively, of course, and again, assuming that you're not too put out of pocket by monthly or annual payments, you might want to, again, see if you prefer to maybe just wait a few more months, at least until the high season for moving arrives again, which is usually just before the Christmas and New Year's holiday, um, except in colder areas like Hokkaido. Uh, At that point in time, particularly if things ease up a little bit COVID-wise, you may be able to get that higher rent again, or at least close to it or at least offer less costly incentives, maybe just one month free rent instead of two or three. But again, this is anyone's guess at this point in time. So you'd better have a clean plan of action in the sense of when you're going to stop waiting and either start offering more incentives or alternatively, again, cut your losses and sell that vacant property if for any reason it doesn't look like it's going to be repopulated profitably for any reason. So there you have it. Let it not be said that we're painting an unreasonably rosy picture here. Uh, The current state of affairs definitely comes with its own perks, particularly if you're in the market for cheaper and better deals at the moment. But it also carries unique challenges, and those can hit some landlords harder than others, depending on the kinds of properties that they own and what their pre-corona strategy was. Fortunately, though, there are ways to alleviate these pains, like everything we've just mentioned here. So if you are in those situations, take financial stock of the last few months, try to project a conservative estimate and see what you can put up with financially, uh, if at all. Then take the appropriate action as to where you want to be in a year's time and then put a new strategy into play. So part and parcel of any investment management, really. And if you're a client, a potential buyer, or just want to talk shop, you're interested in chatting about the options that are available to you as a landlord. Um, or you want to see what deals are currently on offer in the market, if you're buying, we're, of course, always happy to chat. Just drop us a line in the comment section or wherever you might have found this episode or email us at info at nippontradings.com. That's N-I-P-P-O-N, tradings with an S, all one word, info at nippontradings.com. And we'll be more than happy to advise. So that's it from us for today, folks. And thank you again for sharing the podcast with your networks and also for your ratings and reviews on the iTunes Store and Spotify. They mean the world to us. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, stay safe, avoid closed and crowded spaces, wear your masks, and stay safe again. yours, good.